Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Crillo. Today we have Ira Singer. He is a principal of Mosaic Construction, a firm that specializes in commercial and multifamily renovation and works with multifamily investors and owners to add value or re reposition their property. So thank you so much for being on the show, Ira. You are welcome, Charles. Thanks for having me as a guest. So it's great to have someone that's on the other side of, uh, of the business because most people listening here are owners, but give us a little bit of a background on yourself, both personally and professionally prior to getting uh, and starting your current construction firm. So I've been in the construction war uh, business for 30 years. Uh, I'm a project junkie, started in the window siding and roofing business residentially and, and grew quickly into other asset classes, specifically multifamily and commercial. Uh, and today uh, we are a 17-person uh, firm uh, of, uh, we're a general contractor, we work nationally, uh, we operate three brands, Mosaic Construction is our company, uh, we have a brand called Design Construction Concepts, which is design, build, custom projects, typically residential. And we have a cannabis division that we started six, almost seven years ago. We are uh, doing design build of cannabis dispensaries, cultivations, and processing labs, uh, working in uh, 12 states on 40 plus projects to date. So uh, professionally, that's that's where I land. Uh, personally, fortunately, been uh, involved in a, a wonderful family, uh, you know, growing up with uh, three sisters and parents and uh, in the Chicago area, which is where I'm talking to you now from. I'm in Northbrook, Illinois, which is where our company is located. And uh, I'm married uh, for 31 years with three children of my own that are uh, all uh, college graduates and, and making their way in the world. Uh, so that's a little bit about me personally and professionally. So what size properties? I mean, you guys are in a number of different fields. What kind of properties are you focusing on and uh, in markets within for multifamily? So when you're taking on projects? So we have existed primarily in the value add space, in the replacement mm -hmm. space. And it's really asset agnostic for us. You know, the owners that we are working with can be in the uh, you know, B C space or the class A space, senior or student. Uh, affordable housing. We have worked with all types of asset owners. And depending on the asset class will, of course, depend on what the investment strategy is for how they're going to make over the asset. And so we have a, an incredible amount of experience working both interior and exterior, repositioning assets coming in where an asset is, you know, on its last breath and it needs full <laughs> resurrection. And then there's, you know, projects where we've come in and we're doing very specific deployments for a specific space within a building that needs conversion from storage to purpose for enhancement to the residents. And so uh, as design builders, we've had quite a bit of uh, collaborative experience with owners, designers, architects to bring the vision and the strategy from the discussion to actual execution. Interesting. Okay. So it's um, 
I think like when you're getting into larger apartment buildings and uh, complexes, you're having, there's a number of different people that are in the management uh, portion of it. So you have, you know, the GCs like yourself, the construction company, you're going to have um, property managers in there. And then you're also going to have the owner that's involved in uh, helping or adding, aiding. So what is really when, when you're doing one of these projects, what's the role of those three different people in there or those three different groups of people and uh, in regards to renovating that property and doing the repositioning and value add? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, I'll start at least with, with my team. So we deploy a project manager, a production coordinator, uh, and a production manager, which are both in the field and in our office to manage and uh, communicate with trade partners and help get the project from demolition mm -hmm. through punch list as design builders were often in the project early on. And that is typically with the owner themselves. Once the project gets contracted, the property management firm comes into play and they are key to our success. They are the ones who have, if we're working in units or in common spaces, the property management firm, be it on-site or off-site, mm -hmm. are, you know, they're communicating to the residents to let them know that their unit is going to be, you know, having windows replaced or they're getting their kitchen remodeled. And depending on the scope of the work, management is helping to move residents out of their units or move them back in. And so the property manager for us, and in some cases, the on-site maintenance person or the head of the building, you know, they have a bunch of different titles, but it's anyone who is centric to the building we're working on. They have a key role in communicating the residents and helping us uh, work through the project from schedule, from impact of the residents. Safety is a big thing yeah. if we're working and, you know, where they can, and where residents can and cannot go. Uh, so having a great property manager uh, committed to good communication and understanding the impact that a construction project has at the asset is a huge help. The owner is in a perfect world. The owner is heavy involved in the beginning as they are bidding, as they are selecting their contract, they're helping with finishes, uh, allowing us to understand their strategy, what has been pitfalls for them in hiring contractors in the past, so we can understand you know, some, some hot issues as to what to avoid. And then when the project launches, depending on their role in running the asset, we would prefer that the owner moves to the side because they're better suited to be in place to find deals, research deals, do due diligence on other stuff. If they have a trusted construction partner in place and we have been with them through the bidding, through the product selection, through the schedule impact, you know, understanding the investment strategy and there's trust between the owner and the hired contractor, we would prefer that they go and do those things that owners do so well, which is go find more assets so we can be partners again in another construction opportunity. Interesting. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So in the beginning, it's really when the owner is going to be more hands-on and uh, getting everything set and then figuring out the scope of the actual repositioning. Because I imagine when you go into some of these units, uh, you know, when we've walked units before, we we grade them and uh, kind of like a one, two, three of uh, with our property managers quickly and have an idea of what type of renovation, because you'll have, it's very 
odd, I guess you would go into a complex and not, nothing's been renovated. You'll have some units, I think, usually right. that have been renovated. Some that are like, oh my God, this guy's been here since like the 70s. And then it's like, uh, in there's everything in between. And uh, so it's kind of like figuring out. So obviously, so you can do your pricing, but obviously the main thing is that you're not going to be back into that unit probably for years. Um, so ha- knowing exactly what's in, you know, unit 32. And then, so when you're going back into, you go, oh, wow, this person's moving out now. This is a very heavy value add prop, you know, uh, unit. We have to make sure that our construction is on board with us and kind of knowing what we're doing, right? A hundred percent. You know, the, the proof of concept theory, you know, you have four <laughs> units that have been taken uh, to the next level of 70 and they're getting those rents. And yeah. so the feeling is, well, they proved their concept uh, and let's took, take a look at the other 66 and what's the schedule and what's the cost and are the finishes in the first four that are garnering rent increases, the same finishes that we wanna do. And so uh, the earlier you bring in the contractor, especially a design builder like us, mm. who can look at the asset, uh, sit from the, see it from the owner's lens, see it from what's the strategy is it a proof of concept sell it because you can you know turn the property or is it a long-term hold which means almost everything in the asset needs to be looked at for how its life expectancy for its efficiency for its maintenance free and for its overall value because it's not just the inside units that matter in multifamily curb appeal exterior maintenance free depending on your climate your efficiency of your windows, your doors, how watertight your roof and your gutters are. Then moving into the interior, are your corridors bright? Are the floor, you know, is flooring uh, maintenance free? What are your units like? So there's a whole bunch of things that as contractors, we can bring to the table, not the least of which is speed to market, which is almost like a unicorn in today's market where product is delayed contractors are busy. I work with roughly 150 different trade partners, companies because of our regional work and everyone that we work with to try and get them into our schedule. And it's very much like a production. There's this trade, then there's that trade, then there's this trade, then there's that trade. If we're doing unit turns and there's demolition to rough framing because some walls are moving and plumbing and electric and flooring and drywall. Those are all different trade partners that come in and do their specific task. And we have to keep them in a schedule. And so the project manager is really, really key to the schedule being uh, held to, because at the end of the day, you as the owner are much, your concern is when is the unit coming back online? When is the project finished? So my residents aren't bothered or so I can put a new renter into an upgraded unit and collect a higher rental. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's exactly what yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what the underwriters are looking for and what the owners uh, and all are uh, looking to get that information from. So what is your advice for owners that are evaluating and hiring contractors? What would you suggest? And whether this is you know, subcontractors, if it's a smaller project, maybe a small multifamily that they're GCing themselves, or if it's a larger project, uh, like a typical one that you're working on, what should that owner be looking at for GCs and subs? And how do you, how do you really evaluate one um, other than getting references, I guess, or referrals from other investors? Uh, I would say the best uh, barometer for a project and how you go out and hire a contractor is experience for sure. Mm-hmm. 
um, the speed to market cannot be ignored because you can have the best contractor, but at the end of the day, so busy that they can't get to your project. That doesn't help you. Um, and really, when you're talking about projects, if it's you know working directly with the sub where the owner is going to GC the project because it's only one sub. So you're you're painting units. You're painting the exterior. You're replacing gutters. Once you start to get into two, three at the at the minimum, but when you have three trades that need to be involved in a project under one contract, it really does make sense uh, to work with an experienced multifamily general contractor mm. because mm. there are ways to condense the schedule. A good general contractor is going to figure out a way to start the project, build the schedule. But as we work through a progression of the same thing, because in multifamily, there might be six different unit types. But once you work through the unit and you get your feet under you, speed should pick up. And so you really want to have an experience factor, a design builder who can help with value engineering. At the end of the day, a lot of owners hire architects, go out for bid, and then the numbers come in and they're not workable for what your investment strategy is. And so a design builder where the contractor is involved early to help with product selection, constructability, uh, pre-budgeting, so you know that you're gonna land where you are hoping to land for getting change orders, for getting hidden conditions, just in terms of building a budget that can be stuck to, the, the experience of a design builder and multifamily cannot be understated. Yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, what are common mistakes you see uh, some of the owners making? And uh, obviously, uh, one of the main one you just said that if they have three trades or more underneath, uh, you know, one project, uh, that they should be looking for a GC. What do you? What other mistakes do you see other owners making when it comes to whether it's estimating costs or uh, whether it's uh, actually? Um, executing the, um, the, the, uh, the renovations? My experience is uh, such that working early with an owner is really what sets up the asset for success. And so some of the things that I think mistakes are made is that you know they hire an architect because there is a substantive project that's gotta happen and then it goes out for bid and they hire low bidder. And low bidder is not always the right answer. It, it can be, but the perfect triangle of lowest bidder, best quality work, and on schedule is like a triangle that mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily exist in construction. If you want you know, the schedule to stay on pace, you may have to spend more money to hire somebody who has more horses and the, and the cost is more expensive. Where owners, I think, you know, fantasize is that I can buy it for this, do it in this time frame, and get the rent that I expect. And you know, the proof of concept is one thing. Yeah. Complete asset makeover from C to B, that's a major investment. It, it, that doesn't happen with you know, 10, 20, a hundred thousand dollars. That typically happens with several hundred thousand dollars, and sometimes depending on how many units millions. And when you're talking about spending millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars in multifamily, you better pick the right horse to, you know, come in, evaluate, budget, set up schedule, have the right insurances, uh, be a good communicator, dedicate somebody to the project to manage it 
So your property manager isn't managing. So your director of maintenance isn't mm-hmm. managing it. Yeah. And so the owner isn't, isn't involved at a level beyond hopefully just receiving the monthly billing packet where progress photos are sent daily to show the progress. Okay. And at the, at the end of the month, it's time to bill. The owner is comfortable you know, approving the invoicing because they have seen the progress. So I, I just mm-hmm. think that relationships matter with me to my trades, with me to my clients. Uh, communication is critically yeah. important. You know, excellent communication, hall, like world-class communication for what happens yeah. daily in the project. Not if something bad goes on and it doesn't get told. If something bad goes on, we find something or the schedule is, is delayed or the product didn't get or it came broken. Good communication, timely communication. You know, I didn't make the siding. If it comes off the pallet and we open the boxes and six of the yeah. pieces are broken, you know, I have to deal with that. And the owner or the property management firm is involved in that. So I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, excellent communication, daily client updates, following rules and policies. Uh, you know, those are all things that are going to help the project be a good experience where a contractor will be rehired. We can all tell stories. Why don't you, Charles, tell us stories of hiring bad contractors and all the, you know, all the the poor things that you had to experience and endure because of that. You know, we've certainly had projects that have been challenges, but we feel we're partners to our clients. We want to tell them everything transparently. We don't have to show them how the sausage is made entirely but we certainly aren't going to be hiding things if there are problems on the project that were, you know, expected to go one way and they're going another way. So I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm a keep it simple, stupid kind of guy because construction all by itself is complicated. Mm-hmm. So the simpler we can keep it, uh, the better. Yeah. The, the communication, I know you've, you've made it a huge point and that is a huge point when I've had, because a lack of it has added more stress to our team. And we're like, well, what is really going on over there? And now it takes people away from, like you said, uh, the actual owner, the normal owner roles, which should be find more properties after a a project is in process of renovation and repositioning. But um, so when should an owner be reaching out to a company like yours? Should they, um, is it something like, hey, we've got something under LOI, we've got something under contract, or hey, we're interested in buying in this area? And we want to buy an 80 to 120 unit property. And this is what we're looking for. I would say it's owner dependent. Some, Mm. some owners want to bring the contractor in when the uh, deal is under contract and, and they've spent all their time, you know, going through the numbers and doing the rent roll and looking at, you know, looking at a photo scroll, visiting the property. And because they own X amount of, of units, they're comfortable with their own story to not have somebody come in early. And I'm not there to argue that point. Mm -hmm. My experience tells me that my eyes, my nose is different when I'm on a project. I'm smelling something that doesn't smell right. I'm looking up and seeing a a flashing detail. I'm seeing a a floor that doesn't feel good underfoot. Mm -hmm. And so you know, we are more in the weeds on the details specific to what what would be so, 
wouldn't it be great value for me to come early? You're entertaining an offer to, to make an offer. You've got an idea as to what you think you can get it for. You have an idea as to what you think you're budgeting and what it's going to represent. And you tell that to the contractor. And I come out and I'm like, you know what? That part that you told me, that makes a lot of sense. But did you look over there? Did you see? And I'm not just seeing it on one building. I'm seeing it on those three buildings. And my experience tells me that that could be A, B, or C. Mm. Wouldn't yeah. an owner like to know those things by the yeah. eyes and experience of a, of a multifamily general contractor on the rehab side? Because in multifamily, it's never just one time of an oops. It's one times 30 in its oops. And now it's a fairly decent sized number. And so the earlier that we can be there as an advocate, as a trusted resource to look and vet, I don't want to, you know, I'm not saying I wouldn't go to every single one, but at, the, at some point you're entertaining three, you get down to the final two. And before you make the LOI, wouldn't it make sense to have construction eyes on the yeah. project to make sure that what you're about to deploy in money actually can fit what you are hoping to accomplish. Yeah. It's also, I think for owners too, it's something, especially when there's passive investors in these deals, it's something else that now I can say, Hey, here's a report from our property manager that we're going to be using on this project. And now here's our report and here's our notes from our construction company. And now it's like, okay, there's really minimal that could slip through these cracks of these three groups reviewing something. And I think that just kind of gives it um, a little bit more of a concrete estimate of what kind of work needs to be done there. So I'm all on board with what you're saying of bringing in uh, people that are have specialties and especially yours in, um, in all different types of trades and uh, in managing them. So. Well, and to your point about the variety of multifamily asset classes that exist, your listeners are involved in you know, market rate, C to B, affordable, senior, you know, there's so many different things. So each asset and asset class and geography and investment strategy determines what makes sense to put into that asset, what's needed. You know, exactly. if you're so the, the reno is not just one size fits all in a box. So I did it over at that asset. It's kind of the same. So we're just going to do the same plug and play for this because that worked over there. Well, yes, that's got a good chance of hitting the mark. But, you know, a little tweak here, a little tweak there from product to, you know, what area of the asset, what what's let's triage the property. What's urgent? What's midterm? What's want to have, but it's more long-term as, and how does that meld into the investment strategy? Again, your listeners being passive investors, in some cases, they don't have, they're not at the front line of these decisions. They're, they're investing in a group who has historically done well on returns for them. And they're learning through, you know, the, the construction stories that I'm telling, <laughs> but it doesn't, they're not necessarily able to ask those questions. If they are the primary general partner and they're leading the charge to take down the asset, these are the things that have to be discussed early on uh, as far as cost of improvement, what's the right improvement, what's the order of the improvement, uh, what's the strategy long-term hold. So, um, you know, just trying to add as much value to your listeners that it's not one size fits all based on asset class, geography, investment strategy. 
So I want to talk about like some of the upgrades and uh, what the construction person can bring because we see a lot of uh, amenities being added. And I remember like decades ago, the, the dog park was a huge amenity, right? Being added it. And now if you walk in some of them, I mean, they've got coffee rooms and coffee. And so what are, what are you seeing uh, throughout the multifamily space? And what are the most common trends and amenities that you see being added or updated in projects you're, you're a part of? I'm only going to say, you know, it's asset class dependent because yeah. it is, you know, there's, you're not necessarily putting in a world-class fitness center in a workforce housing unit. A, there isn't the space for it. B, mm -hmm. the hours of, you know, some of the third shift time that that type of asset for those residents, the, that doesn't make a lot of sense. There are things that are universal, like world-class Wi-Fi. The last year and a half has proven, uh, you know, it, it's it's unexpected, even though we're all serious understanding today of what it meant to live through the pandemic. I don't think anyone forecasted the amount of time that we would be spending at home because of things shut down, but also because our employers sent us home for work. And so Wi-Fi matters it matters for you know a certain demographic of age to be able to be connected to their to their world but as far as being able to plug in and get your work done mm -hmm. uh, not just in your unit so as you talk about what are some amenities having alternate spaces within the asset where someone can go to work they can reserve it either on an app or on a sign-up sheet where there is space for working um, where you don't have to be in your unit because mm -hmm that you know there's just the the ability to be productive at work uh, a lot of the units or uh, the assets that we've worked on they are creating space that is uh, a workspace and you know yes there's always like a little business center we're not talking about a business center we're not talking about a place to print you know as a resident and print a couple of things we're talking about an ability to shut a door be reserved in a space and call that your workspace because that is going to help you be more productive versus at home, the kids are home, they're learning at home and the noise and you can't get your job done. So that is one thing that we have seen over the course of the last year as people are planning. Uh, certainly, you know, you talk about dog parks, it's way beyond dog parks at this point. Mm. Uh, pets are also a very, very important component of people's lives. And so washing stations, mm. um, you know, social setups where they are literally having like friend groups. So there is an app, you know, there's all kinds of technology that really helps a, an asset run smoother. The I think one of the things from an owner's lens that makes sense is how do you build the community within your multifamily community itself? How do you build sub communities where people feel valuable? They feel value in being to live there because they've got nine friends in their dog group because the asset put a dog group together. And so they're going for walks there. You know, there are feeding stations, there are washing stations. Um, those are things that we've seen bike rooms, uh, or recreational spaces uh, are also uh, critically important. Again, maybe amplified because of the work from home. And so getting out, if you live in a climate that allows you to bike, you know, more than where I live in Chicago, it's like a, 
you know, nice season is a four month season in the South. If, you know, if you have a bike room, people own bikes, you know, secure uh, a washing station, a little pump area. Uh, and you can have, depending on the size of the asset, hundreds. Cannot ignore the units. The units are kind of where, you know, everyone focuses their energy, um, that regardless of asset class, uh, you know, be it design pieces, uh, which is smart switches, smart locks, uh, coloring, which would be, you know, a gray, very popular quartz as a maintenance-free, beautiful uh, countertop product. I think most units that are being renovated today are seeing a luxury vinyl tile, which is the plank wood flooring uh, that okay. looks like wood, but it's not the cost of wood. It's uh, It's got a cork uh, component, so you have some noise uh, attenuation and some comfort underfoot. That is something that we're seeing really across the board, regardless of asset class. Um, and then, Things like unsexy windows, doors, roofs, gutters, uh, maintenance-free exteriors. So the value of the asset is starting at the outside with curb appeal mm -hmm. and continuing for the owner with no maintenance, with better efficiencies, with long-term warranties. So their time in ownership of the asset doesn't have a constant for caulking, for glass replacement, for other repairs. Interesting. Yeah, it's funny because um, I remember when after graduating college, people uh, going to New York City, they would tell me the biggest things they were looking for for amenities was uh, the bike room. The bike room was the big thing because the apartments were so small. And they're telling bike room. And then if you had the money, you'd go for the the, the building with the uh, doorman. But interesting. Um, what are some great ways for owners to increase their NOI that have you found? So, you know, operating costs, I think, are really where the owner has got to dial that in. And that's sometimes not related to the construction side of things. It could be, you know, their, uh, their cable, their phone, uh, their, their staff, you know, how lean is their staff from a construction uh, point of view, because it's multiples, being able to buy things smartly uh, at a reduced cost, you know, even if it's a long-term reno plan, buying the materials up front, assuming you have the space at the site to put it where it can be safeguarded, you know, so you're buying things smarter up front, even if the construction is for long-term. Um, I, I forgot one thing as far as an asset makeover, which is assets across all of them, and that is package rooms. We have installed mm -hmm. package yes. rooms because of the, again, people being at home, spending is, I mean, just look at Amazon stock, spending is out the, out the world. And so having the ability to manage the amount of packages that come in, whether you're your own door with eight units and the you know, UPS is coming, or you are a, a property that has a door person and you have community spaces, converting some space to accommodate packages. We've installed package lockers, which are incredibly smart technology where the packages are delivered and the resident gets a email to come down in this package location, in this locker location, 
put in this code and you can get your package. So it's secure. It doesn't uh, leverage the property management team to have to manage the packages. That is a, that is an, an amenity that all owners should consider creating some type of package space to manage the amount of packages that come in. Yeah. So, um, you know, return on investment, again, strategy wise, it's how long are you owning it? What's your play? How, what are you buying? Are you buying the value add and you have to just prove the concept or are you buying the value add to hold it for 15 years and you get to benefit for all of those years of return on investment because you proved your concept and you were the one that benefited for the rent. So I think it depends on the investment strategy is so key as to how much money will be invested and what the upside of that investment results in, you know, for your ultimately, you know, for your, your NOI. Interesting. Okay. Well, as we're, uh, we're finishing up here, I just, a uh, couple questions here. What do you think are the main factors that have contributed to your success, Ira? Uh, I would say relationships, Charles. Hmm. Uh, you know, we are between our trade partners, our team here at Mosaic, our clients, and just, you know, the people that are outside of my business world, but, you know, help support me in my day-to-day of being Ira, uh, you know, the dad, Ira, the husband, Ira, the son. Uh, relationships are so incredibly important. It's probably the most mm-hmm. valued piece of what we have built. Uh, we don't wear tool belts as a general contractor. We don't employ direct labor. We employ people that effectuate construction. And so processes and procedures really matter to normalize and effectuate the construction that we do. And so between the relationships that we have, the procedures that we have, the reputation that we are looking to continue mm-hmm. to maintain and excel, um, you know, good communication, good processes, being a stand-up person, uh, you know, it's kind of like what I learned in kindergarten, tell the truth, be a good friend, mm-hmm. You know, those are those are very simple uh, things and the world is very complicated. And so to have a, uh, a set of actions that we deem our guide in business, which is relationship building, closing the loop on open items, anticipating needs that help, uh, you know, forecast what's going to come. Uh, those are all things doing it the right way. Uh, it's just what we're about. It's how at Mosaic Construction, it all comes together for what's important to us and our clients. And so those are, you know, some of the things that I think have contributed to my success in business. Yeah, I couldn't, uh, I can't agree more. The relationships are so important in business, but also especially in commercial real estate. Um, So how can our listeners learn more about you and your business? Well, the easiest thing to do is to, you know, find us at our websites, uh, which is mosaicconstruction.net. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other brands I spoke of earlier, Design Construction Concepts and Cannabis Facility Construction, are linked at that mm-hmm. site uh, because it's just brands that we own. Because, you know, if you're a multifamily owner operator and you went to my site and saw a bunch of cannabis dispensaries <laughs> on the, you, yeah. you'd wonder if you landed at the right site. And so mm-hmm. to, to segment all the types of work that we do, the three brands really help. Uh, you can certainly pick up the phone. I would, you know, ask if you're considering looking at an asset, 
uh, and you have questions, a phone call is a great initial step. You know, it can be reached uh, at our office, uh, which is, you know, on the website. Uh, email is, of course, on the website. I'd love to talk to any of your listeners and, you know, be a resource as they are considering a project. Yeah. And uh, yeah, when you're building out your team, people that are listening, uh, just make sure that, uh, you know, your construction is a huge part of that, just like your property manager, lending, everything else. So uh, start the conversation early and uh, they can assist you through the whole acquisition process. So, well, thank you so much for coming on, Ira. I will put links to your company into the show notes and looking forward to uh, connecting with you in the near future. It was a lot of fun, Charles. Covered a lot of good stuff. Uh, Hope your listeners got some value out of uh, what we talked about. And thank you very much. Definitely. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hi, guys. It's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars, LLC, exclusively.